morning star. Listen, he's the, he's the, the, the fairest of 10,000s to my soul. I, amen. That's just a little commercial. I like, I like bragging on him. Amen. The rose of Sharon, the lily of the valleys, the, the ancient of days. Amen. Did I say where to go to? Matthew. We ought to do that then. Amen. How about Matthew chapter number 4? Matthew chapter number 4. Listen, you say, some of them new courses you don't know. That's okay. That's why we're doing them extra. Uh, so we will get to learn them. We're, we're going to mix things back and forth. But I want you to, I want you to learn these things. Because what's going to happen? Say, why do you do that? You just do that to have a church? No, because when I, get, when I get down during the week, I'll think about these songs. And I, I'll start singing them songs to myself. And, and, I, I, and I tell you what, business picks up. Business picks up. I, and I, I, heard a, I heard a new oldie. I heard a new oldie. Y'all going to get with us? Y'all just going to talk? I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I heard uh, it's oldie, but we need to do it. Uh, uh, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I, and y'all ever heard that one? I heard that on the way to church this morning and just about run off the road. Amen. I got happy. So we need to get that, mark that down, write that one down. Amen. Matthew chapter 4 in verse 18. Are you there? Say amen. It says, And Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, what does he say? Say it again. Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their and followed him. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, please touch my mind and my heart. You know what I need. You know how desperately I need the Holy Spirit to anoint this message. God, I pray that your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, last week we, we talked about uh, Peter's last minute interview with the Lord Jesus Christ before uh, the Lord sent him to his worldwide quest to, to do his calling, his commission, his purpose in life. And one of the statements that he made to him, uh, he said, Peter, you're going you're gonna to be led away, you're going to be taken captive, you're going to be martyred, you're going to be incarcerated at the end of your life, uh, you're going to be arrested and, and killed, basically. And then he says, but follow me. You're going to die for this, and you're going you're to be martyred for the faith. You're going to be arrested and done wrong, but follow me anyhow. Follow me. And then Peter looks over at John and, and, and says, well, what about him? And Jesus says, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? And basically he's saying, listen, I've got a purpose for your life. I've got a purpose for John's life. You worry about you, and I worry about him. And, and he said this, you follow me, or followest thou me. And, and we, we have, there's a great misconception in Christianity today, uh, especially among Baptists, because uh, I, we, we have this idea that we come and, and we, we, we put our faith in Christ and that's, just, that's all we need to do. Hey, we're saved. Uh, uh, we, we believe in eternal security. We believe in once saved, always saved. So people get their ticket to heaven and that's as far as they go. Man, that is so far anti-Bible. I can't even, it makes me want to puke. We are not just called to be saved. He is inviting and, and, and asking people to come to Him. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, if you're hungry, come unto me. I'm the bread of life. If you're thirsty, I am the living water. And He's calling all to salvation. And salvation is free. Salvation is for whosoever will let Him come. But when you come, it's time to... Follow Jesus. Salvation is not the end of the line. Salvation is just the beginning. It's not just enough to trust Him as your Savior. It's not just enough to, to, to put your faith in Him for salvation. God wants a further step. God wants you to begin to follow Him. Matter of fact, there was many, there was many that, that, that came to Him uh, because He could, he could uh, make a, a little lad's lunch feed thousands of people. 
There was many people that came to see the miracles and, and they, wanted to, they wanted to be there for Him. But He would turn and tell the multitudes, listen, unless a man hate his father, mother, sister, brethren, his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Unless a man will take up his cross and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. Unless a man will forsake all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. In other words, he said, if you're going to come after me, if you're going to follow me, there's some things you need to know. And you know, there's a lot of Christians going to church, but they're not following Christ. Do you know what we are called in foreign countries? That in, in, in a lot of foreign countries, they, they're, the translation, the word Christian cannot be translated, so they call people that have trusted Christ and are living the Christ-like way, they call them Christ followers. Say that with me. Is that not what we're supposed to do? Here we are. We see, we see these, these men. We see Peter and Andrew and, and, and James and John. Here they are in their, in their life going about their, their business as usual. And, and Jesus says, come and follow me. Come and follow me. And you know what they did? That's exactly what they did. They followed him for three and a half years. Uh, listen, they followed him and seen a, an incredible, I mean, just God do incredible things. And, and God changed their life forever. And now they're recorded in the Word of God. And, and millions and millions of people have read about their lives because they followed Christ. Now you say, what point are you trying to get at? If we are Christ followers, that means we must follow Christ. Now what does it mean, what does it mean to follow Christ? There's some things that are involved, Brother Dave, in, in following Christ. There's a lot of people think they're following Christ because they're here this morning. There's a lot of people that think they're following Christ if they, if they give a tithe or an offering. And, and, and there's a lot of people that think they're, they're following Christ if, if, if they go to church when the church doors are open. But that's not necessarily all that, that, that is involved in following Christ. You say, preacher, what is involved in following Christ? Number one, the first thing I've seen here, and, and this, was, this was amazing. This jumped out at me, and this is what really got me studying on this topic as I was, I was reading this. The Bible says in, in verse 19, uh, Matthew four nineteen, and he says unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now watch, watch, watch this here. And they straightway, and that means immediately, right then. They didn't put it off. They didn't make excuses. They didn't say, well, we need to, uh, 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 let's, let's take some right then. You say, what's the point? When Jesus calls you, you need to do it right then. When Jesus is telling you something, you need to do it right then. You don't need to procrastinate. You don't need to put it off. If Jesus thought it was important enough for you to make, the, make whatever it is in your life or take a step in your life, he wants you to do it now. Say amen. It says today is the day of salvation. If God is leading you in a way and God is telling you to do something, quit making excuses and do what he's telling you to do. Straightway. Watch what it says. They, what's the next three words? Say it again. In order to follow Christ, this is why people are having problems with following Christ. The first thing that's involved in following Christ, and you cannot follow Christ unless you take this first step. There is leaving involved in following Christ. There is leaving involved in following Christ. See, they're here with these nets, and, and uh, Jesus says, all right, now Jesus is moving. Have you ever noticed Jesus is always moving? Jesus is never in neutral. He's always moving. He's always going a direction. You know why? Because he knew his purpose in life. He knew he was headed to Jerusalem. He knew he would give us life. And he had a purpose. He had a goal. He had a destiny. And I'm telling you, we cannot sit on the fence. He said, you're either for me or against me. He's always going in a direction. And if you're going to follow him, you're going to have to leave something. They left their nets. What did that net, what did that to me, what did the nets represent? They had a past they needed to leave. You say, why do you say that that represents their past? Because later on in Peter's life, he tried to pick him back up again. Y'all remember? See, the second time Peter was told to follow him was after he tried to go back and pick up what he had already left 
in order to follow Christ. How many people today are trying to go back in their past? Jesus is saying, follow me. Jesus is saying, I will change your life. Jesus is saying, I will give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. I will, man, I've got a great purpose for your life. And you're trying to, you're trying to drag the nets and stay up with Jesus. There's only one problem. You can't drag your past with you if you're going to follow Jesus. Let us lay aside every weight. Everybody says, we got to lay aside the sin, but Jesus said the weight too. Can you imagine, can you imagine them old boys, them going and, and, and going to all those different cities that Jesus was going to, they trying to pull them nets behind them? Yet that's what we do every week. There are past hurts that we are carrying trying to follow Jesus. And, and Jesus says, Jesus says that we are to forgive and we're carrying around bitterness and grudges. And if you're going to follow Jesus, you got to leave it. You can't follow him unless you leave something. Not only past hurts, sometimes there's past habits you got to you got to leave. Sometimes there's past hang-ups you got to leave. Sometimes we want what's ahead. There are people that come to this church and they love the spirit that's here. They love the excitement that's here. They love what God is doing in this place. And, and they want that, but they don't want to change their ways to have that in their church. And they call me. They call me and want me to come do a revival. And they think I can put all of this in my pockets. Just bring it with you and uncork it when you get here. Man, if I could do that, I'd be a billionaire. Say amen. We want to keep our old way of doing things. Or we want to keep a way that's not even working because Momo and Papa done it that way. And we're not willing to leave something in order to follow him. The Pharisees couldn't leave their religion. They couldn't leave their tradition. They couldn't leave what they'd always had to follow him. Church, I'm telling you, sometimes when it comes to following Christ, there's a past we're going to have to leave. There are possessions, professions. I mean, we got this, this fairy tale mentality that they just, everything was good in the by and by. Man, that was their job, their career. That's like, Miss Cindy, you say into the post office, sayonara, which you probably would like to do that, but, and just say, hey, I'm quitting that, here we go. No way of making money, no way of doing it, just completely, totally trusting in Christ. Now, I'm not telling anybody to quit. Say that with me, amen. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this, what are you not willing to let go of in order to follow Christ? What are you trying to hold on so tightly that you won't let go in order to follow Christ? If Christ is leading, if Christ is going in a direction, what are you unwilling to turn loose of? William Borden was an incredible, I mean, a, beyond wealthy and left all of his wealth to go to the mission field and die on the mission field. And you know what he said? No regrets. Wrote in his journal, no regrets. Well, what else did they leave? Look at this. Look at this. The Bible says, James and John. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with who? Zebedee their, their father. Now, if they're working with their father... I would imagine they're pretty tight with him. Wouldn't you? Some people, you can't work with family. I need a witness right there. You just, you just can't. But if you have the ability to do that, you're probably pretty tight. Now watch this. And Jonah's brother and his ship was ending their nets, and he called them, and now watch this, 
And they immediately left the ship and their father. Sometimes in following Jesus, you're going to have to leave a past, but sometimes you're going to have to leave some people. You're going to have to leave some people. Sometimes there are people that are not conducive to you following Jesus. Sometimes, young people, you're dating people right now you need to leave because they are not conducive to you following Jesus. They are going to lead you in the wrong way. They do not want what you want. Uh, They are not going the direction you're going and you are not going to change them. I have seen so many broken... Give me a mic. You adjust at this. Give me a mic. That's Satan. Let's just turn on. All right. I have seen so many people. I have seen so many people come to me. Comes to. Am I getting that look in my eye, Brother Dave? Amen. They come to me and, and say, but preacher, he is such a great person and he is this and he is that and he is, he is, he is, he is. I said, well, is he saved? Well, everything but that. Or, and it's the opposite, same. She, same way. Oh, but preacher, I'm going to change them. I have never one time seen that take place. Not one single time where somebody saved, went into a relationship with somebody lost, and it worked that way. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible. It could possibly happen. I'm just saying I've never seen that. And what usually happens, how many of y'all know it's easier to pull down off a ladder than it is to pull up? And sometimes, in order to follow Christ, we have to make a decision. There's some people that we're going to have to leave. Let me say this about a father. Me and my dad is pretty tight, and, 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 and the hardest thing I ever did in my life was to come here instead of going to South Florida. My dad called me every day of the week and said, I'm sick, I need help, I need you to come be my assistant, I need you. And you know what, in my heart, I wanted to be down there so bad. I mean, I wanted to be there because, that's, man, that's my dad and, and he's sick. And, 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 and I mean, it was just ripping my guts out. And God had to say, son, you belong to me. And your daddy belongs to me. You do what I'm telling you to do, and I'm going to do with him what I decide to do with him. Now do you understand why Jesus said, unless a man hate his father, mother, sister, brother, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now let me clarify that for some of you that are new here and you've never heard me explain that verse. He didn't say you're supposed to hate in a literal hate. He is saying in that verse, it's a hyperbole. He's saying that your love for me has to be so great. In other words, I have to be so much a priority in your life. I have to be so important in your life that I am first even beyond your own family. And let me say this, and Dad knows this now. If I would have done what my dad wanted me to do, I would have disobeyed the Lord. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have seen what God is doing now. You say, are you saying we should dishonor our parents? No. No, Lord, no. But there comes a time when you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to have to make a choice. Either I'm going to follow Christ or I'm going to hold on. And see, there was was an example of this in the Word of God. A man came to Jesus and said, "Uh, let me first go bury my father. And by the way, he wasn't dead yet. In other words, he was saying, I'm not going to take this step. I'm not going to move till he dies. And and after he dies, then I'll come follow you. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. In other words, he was saying this spiritually, those that were dead in their trespasses and in sin, let them take care of that. You have a responsibility. Come and follow me. What do you need to let go of to follow him today? What are you holding on to so tightly? Is it a person? Is it people in your life? 
Is it a way? Is it a tradition? Is it, is it, is it possessions? There was another man that came to Christ who said, who said, let me, uh, listen, what, what must I do? I've done everything. I've kept the commandments and I, I've done it all. He said, sell thy possessions, give to the poor, and then come and follow me. And the Bible said he went away sorrowfully because he had great possessions. See, he was not willing to turn loose of the bank account to follow Christ. Now, now, by the way, on that one too, if you'll study that and read that, he didn't say he had to sell it to follow. He said, if you sell it, do that, you'll have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. In other words, rich people can follow Christ. But see, Jesus knew his heart. He knew the riches had him. And he wasn't willing to turn anything loose. See, if we're going to follow him, there comes a time we have to make a choice. Are we going to leave what's going to hinder us from obeying the Lord? I like the song. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me. Now see, y'all supposed to know this. The world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. Now watch this one. This is the hard one. Though none go with me, still I will follow. There's been times in my life I did a lot of things because I was told that was right. And I did a lot of things because of what somebody else would think about me. I lived my life in a way because of what the brethren would say. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Can you imagine, Brother Scott, can you imagine Zebedee sitting in that ship, working on them nets, and his two partners, his sons, the, the apple of his eye? You, how about your boys? You care about them? They mean a lot to you, don't they? Can you imagine Zebedee sitting there and, and all of a sudden his pride and joy, they get walking, I mean just leave him stranded. I would have to say Zebedee wasn't real happy about that. But they had to leave to follow Christ. Folks, I'm just going to tell you, when you decide to follow Christ, there's going to be people that don't like it. But unless a man hate his father and his mother and his sister and brother, unless Jesus is so important, you're going to have a hard time following him. There is a leaving involved in following Christ. Say that with me. There is a leaving involved. But then there is a, there is a learning involved in following Christ. There is a learning involved. Say that with me. There is a learning involved in following Christ. If you'll go, I believe they'll put it on the screen. I, I believe they have that. But in, in Matthew chapter number 9, do you have that, Brother Barnes? Matthew chapter number 9, in verse 9, watch this here. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. In other words, he was a tax collector. He was really loved by the brethren. Say amen. I'm being facetious. They, they loved them about as much as you love the IRS. Say amen right there. That's what he was. A receipt of customs, he says unto him, follow me, and he arose and followed him. So he, he asked him the same thing that he asked James and John, Peter and Andrew, and he got up and followed him. Now watch what happens. And it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Here's what happened. Matthew was called of the Lord. Matthew got up, left his table, left everything, and followed Christ. He went home and threw a big party for the Lord Jesus Christ. He threw a big shindig, threw a big dinner, invited all of his publicans and sinner friends, and said, come over, you need to meet this guy. And Jesus sat with them. Jesus was right in the middle of them. I mean, Jesus was piled up right in the middle of a bunch of sinners, a bunch of people that went to bars, a bunch of people that hung out on the corner. Are y'all with me? That's where he was. He's, and, and the Pharisees, the religious crowd, the church people, they saw it and they said to the disciples, why eateth your master with publicans? And said, what is he doing with them? 
you know what? I went back and looked through the uh, book of Matthew, and Jesus never had problems with people until he started hanging out with sinners. Go back and look. Study it. He never had an issue. They never had a problem with him until he started hanging out with sinners. Watch what he says. When they saw it, they said, go back. One more. And when they saw boy, y'all were on the ball up there today. Amen. All right. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? Now watch Jesus' reply. He says, But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Now watch this. Watch this next statement. But go ye and go ye and Learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. In another verse, he says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I started, I started studying that. I started really dissecting that and digging into that. Why would he say that? Why would he say those that are, that are laboring or heavy laden? Is he talking about physical work? I mean, is he talking about those that are out there plowing? If you're out there and you've got a manual labor type job that if you'll come to Christ, you won't have to do that anymore? It didn't, it didn't have anything to do with digging a ditch. It didn't have anything to do with cutting down trees. It didn't have anything to do with manual labor. The labor that they were going through and the weariness that they had was all of the yoke and traditions that the Pharisees was putting on people. They had put a yoke and a list of regulations and rules that were suffocating them to death that they could not. They would even tithe of the, the ingredients in their cupboard. They would tithe of the spices that they had that they would cook with. And that's when he said, man, you strain a gnat and you try to swallow a camel. You've got a rule for this and a rule for that. You've got a rule for everything. He said, but you know what? If you'll just come to me, learn of me. Learn of me. Learn not of your old tradition, not of your old religion. He said, learn of me, and I'll give you rest. When you come to the place in your life that you want to be more like Christ than what man says you have to be, that's a restful day in your life. You're talking about liberty and freedom. Miss Melissa, when I was talking to you about the last situation, could you tell that was hard on me? I was just, but it's because I've always been told. And so I always believed. But then I got to studying and reading and digging and is this really true? He wasn't there. So I was doing things because of what other preachers were thinking about me. And what other preachers would say. So what I became was a slave and a bondman to them. And so that's heavy to carry. And when we try to do things here at this church to please other churches to make them think we're right with God, we're trying to carry around their opinion. And I'm telling you what, it gets heavy. But Jesus said, if you'll just learn of me, learn me. Learn the way I was. Learn the way I behaved. Learn the way I, my attitude, my act. Learn of me. And religion will crush you. Religion's so heavy to carry. It's so heavy to carry. But if we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to have to make a decision in our life. No matter what we've heard, it's what Jesus said. It's what Jesus said. Is Johnny in the building? Is he still down at the pastor's breakfast? Is he still down there? I, I want to pick on him because I'm going to give you an illustration. I'm going to give you an illustration. Brother Johnny, he's pretty stout. How many of y'all know Brother Johnny Lawrence? He's pretty stout. He's a pretty big fella. And I would, I would dare to say, he ain't no sissy. I need a witness right there. And I, in my mind, when I was looking at this, I wanted to say, 
I wanted to say, uh, Brother Johnny, do you wear a necklace? And I know he does because I've already seen it. He's got a gold chain there. And, 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 and he'd say, yes, sir. I said, Johnny, are you a sissy? No, sir. I said, you're right. But you know what? Growing up, I've heard preachers say, if a man wears a necklace, he's a sissy. Now, there ain't no Bible for that. But see, here we are molding to man's doctrine. And you know what? Trying to do things to make man happy. The Bible says that the Pharisees were teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. And it got real heavy. But you know what? If you're going to follow Christ, you're going to have to learn of Him. He said, learn of me. He said, I know what the Pharisees told you. And I know how the Pharisees behave. They put on their long robes and they so fancy. They want to show off their fancy outfits. He said, but they ain't got enough spirituality to fill a gnat. He said, they look good on the outside, but inside they're full of dead men's bones. He said, learn of me. I was looking at that, and, 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 and I was so intrigued. I was so intrigued by the verses that said, I, just looked, I typed in the word sinners in my computer and looked up all the words where it says sinners. And every time you've seen sinners, you've seen Jesus. And the Bible says in one chapter, it says that, that many publicans and sinners were gathered unto him. I mean, he was attracting them like, like, a, like a bright light and bugs on the outside. I mean, they was just coming to him. He was so attractive to them. You know why? Because the Bible says they, 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 they criticized him and said, He receiveth sinners. So I looked that word up. I said, if he receiveth sinners, I guess that's what we need to do. And the word receiveth is a threefold word. It means to allow. Allow. He just let him be them. He didn't preach down their throats. He didn't say, you sorry, rotten sinners. He just let them be them. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. He let them be them. He allowed. Then it, then it, means, then it means to accept. Just accept them. He didn't say, in order to come unto me, you've got to put this on, you've got to take that off, you've got you to step this up in your life, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to. Mm-mm. He just said, come on. He allowed, he accepted. And the word means to await. In other words, he had patience because he knew that if they spent a little time with him, they're going to leave a different way. Now the question is, are we living our life in a way where we are attractive to sinners? You got a Bible for that? You're the salt of the earth. What does salt make you? Thirsty. Do sinners want to hang around you? I was sitting in a I was sitting in a store a few years back, and uh, I was about, I was around a bunch of coon hunters. Now, coon hunters, a lot of them are a rough bunch. I mean, they just are, they just a rough bunch, and they say things they ought not to say sometimes, and 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 and, and all that kind of thing. And 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 I was right in the middle of them. I know you probably think bad about me. That's okay. And a woman come by at this store. And she was a clerk, and they all knew her in there. And, 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 and she said something off color. I mean, it wasn't real whatever. And one of them said, well, you better watch what you're saying. That's the preacher right there. And she said, she said well, what in the world is he doing with all of y'all? And looked at me with that little. I said, ma'am, who do you think needs me the most? She went, hmm. That's the same thing they said to Jesus right there. And, and this is what they said. This is what they said. He receiveth sinners and he's eating with them. Jesus said, who needs me the most? It's not the well that need a physician, it's the sick. Go learn what that means. We in the house of God right now in 2010, we need to learn what that means. I heard a preacher preach one time, and I, I, I amended it till I learned different. It's amazing what we'll amen, isn't it? 
until we know better. Now we need to say, oh me. Not amen, but oh me. He said, bless God, if sinners don't feel uncomfortable in the church, then the preacher ain't preaching right. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Okay, let me prove it. Some of y'all are... <laughs> Who's supposed to be in this house when we get here? Jesus. That's who we're coming to meet with, isn't it? That's what we say. Now, by the way, he's everywhere. And if this is the only place you meet with him, you're getting shafted. Because this, this is sheetrock and concrete. You're the body of Christ. You're the temple of God. He's in you. But I'm just trying to make a point. If Jesus is here, then his spirit and who he was should be what the Bible says, right? Well, everywhere I read, sinners love to be around him. Sinners love to be in his presence. Sinners love to be where he is. And if Jesus is in this place, sinners will want to be here. Sinners will love to be where he is. The question is, the modern day church, how attractive were we to sinners? Now I'm not taking away, I'm not taking away the aspect of conviction. I'm not taking away the aspect of conviction because I believe once they got into his presence and once they heard his word, yes, they were pricked in their heart and they believed on him, just like Zacchaeus. But are we in a way where we are attracting sinners? Do sinners want to be around this place? Do sinners want to be around you? See, following Jesus is not just leaving a past. It's not just leaving, leaving people. It's not just leaving an old way and forgetting about it. It means learning who Jesus was, learning what Jesus did, learning the motives of Jesus, learning the mission of Jesus. He said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. I'm not here for the well. I'm here for the sick. We need to understand this place is for sinners. Our heart should be for sinners. Our heart should break for sinners. Our mind, everything about it should be to win sinners. Paul said, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. I've got a desire for sinners. Whatever we got to do to reach them, let's reach them. Whatever we got to do to win them, let's win them. I want to learn and be like Christ. See, Christian is Christ-like. But there's way too many Christians that are not Christ-like. There's way too many Christians that are repelling sinners and not receiving sinners. And we become self-righteous and saying, if you're not just like me, then you... God, help us. Well, I don't like all of this. Well, see, we're running way out of time to worry about that. Because Jesus is coming soon. And it may be your brother, it may be your mother, it may be your father or your sister that gets left behind because you're not willing to change and be like Christ. God never called me to be like another preacher. God called me to be like Christ. And if I'm going to follow Him, there's going to be a leaving. But there's going to be a learning. Learning. Learning who he was, what he did, and how he did it. And by the way, I challenge any of you. Any of you that don't like something I say, get the tape. Go find your Bible and find where I said something wrong in the Bible and come to me. And I'll be glad to talk with you about it. But if you can't find it in your Bible, don't waste my time. Because, see, feelings are irrelevant. Well, I feel your feelings don't matter. And I don't mean that smart, please. I'm saying this, I'm about to have a tear in my eye saying this. Our feelings are irrelevant. It's what the Word says. Hitler felt that he was right. And he killed millions of people. But his feelings were wrong. Whatever you do, have a verse for it. Have a verse for it. Lastly, what was the first thing involved in following Christ? There's got to be a, a leaving. Then as we, we, we begin our journey with the Lord, as we study our Bible and we pray and, and 
We're around Christian brothers and sisters and, and we go to church and we hear the word preached and we study on our own and we read our, and we become more like Christ and we learn and, and it says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Let's just keep moving forward, keep moving forward because it's not enough to learn it. Say that with me. It's not enough to... We're going to have to live it. There is a living involved in following Christ. There's way too many hearers of the word and not enough doers. We got way too many Christians coming to the house of God, sitting, soaking, and souring. They're coming and, 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 and they believe in Christ. They, they, they believe the word of God and they get amped up on hearing about it and they love it, but that's all they're doing with it. The Bible says this. I, let me say let me say this. Let me say this. And I need everybody's attention. Everybody, I got you. Come on. Look, look at me this way. I sat in a truck for about an hour and a half with a young man uh, who had issues with the church. Not temple, just the church in general. He said, Preacher, I have been with people who went to church on Sunday and drank a beer with me on Monday. He said, I've been with people that went to church on Sunday and told dirty jokes on Tuesday. I've been, I mean, just boom, boom, boom. And I sat there and listened and listened and listened. And you know what? Gandhi, how many of y'all know who Gandhi was? Little wormy, bald-headed man in India. Everybody know who I'm talking about? I mean, this spiritual guru, whatever. He was asked, he was asked, what is the greatest hindrance to Christianity? And you ain't going to believe what he said. Most profound thing I've ever heard in my life. Christians. Christians are the biggest hindrance to Christianity. Why? Because they go to church on Sunday and try to sing to Jesus and act like the devil on Monday. I have decided to follow Jesus, but only on Sunday and not on Monday. Because I got eternal security. I'm saved for good, and it don't matter. I can do whatever. Oh, please. Chris, are you laughing at my singing? Okay, all right. Glad you're with me, Brother O'Neill. Amen. Following Jesus means living like Jesus. And I, I sat with this young man, and you know what? I didn't have no way to argue with him. I said, you're exactly right. I said, there's a word for that in the Bible. Hypocrite. Someone who wears a mask. That's what that word means. They wear their Sunday mask. They wear their Sunday best. They come here and they leave and they're a different person when they leave than when they come. That's not following Jesus. The Bible says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Do you know what it means to follow Christ? Do you know what it means to live like Him? There must be an attitude we must get in order to live like Christ. This is an attitude of unselfishness. It is an attitude of submissiveness. He said, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. It's not about me, Lord. It's about you. It's not about my feelings. It's about sinners. Lord, I'm ready to give my life. I'm ready to lay down my life. I'm ready to submit, Lord. It's not about me. But see, Brother Dave, we've allowed the culture to creep into the church. And I'm not talking about in the way they dress. I'm talking about this attitude that Burger King, have it your own way. McDonald's, you deserve a break today at McDonald's. Everything is about you. Everything is about me. Everything is about what I want. That is totally anti-Christ. 
Jesus said, if a man will follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. There's some people who have left when we made some changes. And, and, and this is what was said. I just don't like them. Not, I've got Bible to say this wrong. I just don't like them. And I, I said, but do you understand, in order to keep growing, we are, we are at a place, we have to make some changes and we have to make some adjustments in order to keep growing so we can keep reaching people, so we can keep seeing people say, well, I just don't like it. Do you think I like preaching my guts out twice every morning? I, this, is, this, is, this is not fun to me. I like, listen, I like seeing people saved and God is touching me, but if I had my preference, it'd be a one-show go. Say amen. It's not a show. It's not really a show. You know what I mean. I'm not saying we're showing anything. But do you get my point? I would prefer, let's throw down, get down, here we go, and, you know, one time, I would prefer that. But in order to keep growing, we had to change. We had to make an adjustments. We had to make some sacrifices. We, we had to make some changes, not for the sake of making changes, but for the sake of reaching people. For the sake of making room so we could keep growing so we move forward and see people saved. But you know what? It, it, it needs to be at a place where, okay, whatever we've got to do, preacher. If we need to park in the back, we'll park in the back. I'll wear sneakers to the floor and put my high heels on when I get in the building. I need a witness right there. See, that's a good idea. If that's what it's going to take, preacher, if I need to park in the back, so first-time attenders can park in the front, it's, well, hey, if that'll get somebody saved, woo-hoo! A man said this, a man said this. He said, if a commission from an earthly king is a privilege, how is a commission from a heavenly king a sacrifice? And see, living like Christ means it's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I desire. It's not what's going to... It's about reaching people and having in our mind what was on his mind, and that was sinners. I know. I know. Nobody likes to hear this. I know. But you know what? What is Jesus thinking when he looks down in our church, in churches across America that are dying? Churches where the, the American church today is dying. I don't believe that. Let me tell you something. 80% of all the offerings that come into the church today in America is from 50 years old and up. What's going to happen when them people die? We're not reaching the next generation. The Bible says in the book of Judges that a whole generation rose up who knew not the Lord. And if they don't want to fall in line to what we want, hello? But you know what? Living like Christ means it's not about me. Living like Christ means if I have to deny myself and hang on a cross to get people in, I'm going to do that. If it means I've got to go to two services and sing in both. If it means I've got to preach in both. If it means I've got to preach in three. Bless God, bring on the chloroseptic and rock on. Say amen. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. What decision are you going to make today? Miss Diane, she's, she's such a cutie. Yeah, I'm careful. I am, Miss Diane. I'm very careful. 
I got a jealous wife right over there. Amen. She sent me a text last night. said, Preacher, Jesus is bringing them in in 2010. I said, I like that. But you know what? Jesus ain't going to bring them in somewhere where they're not welcome. Oh, but we're the most welcomest church in, in all of Coleman. Are we? Yeah, we shake their hand at the door. And we say, you can come in in any way that you want to, any shape, any form, anyhow. But if you're going to be like us, I wonder if Jesus did that. Unsubmissive, or excuse me, unselfish and submissive. What do we need to leave? Ask yourself this morning, what do I need to leave? What past, what net am I trying to carry around and serve Jesus? What net? What is a net for? Entangling stuff. How many Christians today are so entangled with things they can't follow Christ? Following involves, number one, hello? Following involves leaving. Number two, following involves learning. Number three, following involves living. I got to leave my past. I've got to learn who he is, what he is, what he did, how he behaved, his mission, his method. Then I must live out. I must live out what I have learned about him. And by the way, being Christ-like, it ain't the easiest thing in the world to be. Because Christ, he on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. When people are willfully hurting you, you're going to want to be bitter. You're going to want to hold a grudge. But if you're going to live like Christ, you've got to forgive them. Hello, y'all still with me? Let's live it. What would happen in Coleman County if 550 Jesuses went out of this building? And everywhere you went, you was hanging out with sinners. And they loved you enough to hang out with you. And they started becoming what you are. What if 550 Jesuses left this building? Oh, that's silly. No. No. That's Christ-like. Following Christ. Church, say amen. Father in heaven, I pray that your will be done. I pray that you'll touch us this morning. I pray that you'll... Lord, we all got to make a choice. Sooner or later in our life, 